Well, let's make this confession. It's good to see all of you here. I think we need to give our worship team a hand. What an awesome team God has given us. Let's say it. The Word of God is truth. If I live the Word, I will be blessed. If I don't, I won't. It's just that simple. Tell that person next to you, it is just that simple. You can be seated. Good to see all of you here today. Had a great first service. Looking forward to this one also. You are in the right place. I was missed most of worship. I went over for our new membership class, and boy, I heard a, two powerful testimonies. I, I told Pam, you never know when something you say is going to spark something in an individual to change their life. And one of the people over there had called eight churches to talk to them and, uh, and, and left messages to call. Only two churches called back. One of them happened to be Victory Christian Center, and that was of the two churches. Only one church invited him to come to church, and uh, he said, so I thought if you invite me to church, I'll come. And he came to church and gave his heart to the Lord. You need to give the Lord a hand. That was powerful. And another person over there was sharing this testimony with me. They came as an unbeliever and needed money. And uh, they uh, told them about Christ, and they didn't receive Christ, but they wanted money anyway. And that for, they needed the money for some expenses, good, good reason. And uh, so we gave them the money anyway, which we do in benevolence. Uh, and uh, we, you can never give away too much money because everything you give away to help people, you're giving to the Lord. And the Lord keeps track of it, and he repays really well better than any banker. Turn to your neighbor and say, Lord, Lord repays better than any banker. Lord repays better than any banker. Dan is left. Oh, no, Dan hasn't left. He's also all the way back there. <laughs> Let's all say thank God for the bankers. Thank God for the bankers. <laughs> <laughs> but he gives a higher rate of return. But anyway, she said, uh, I wanted to see what they did, and they gave me the money, and I realized that was a church that I really liked. Came to church, gave her heart to the Lord, and is on fire for God. Glory oh, to God. Yeah. Yeah, let's give, give the Lord a hand for that one. I am really, really excited. We had a good time in the first service. Did you get anything out of it? I learned. Did you? I did. I, I'll be better this service. You guys will appreciate it. See, I tell you what, I go to church first service and then second. I preach about it. I told her. I told Pam the other day. I'm not going to get rid of you. You're, you're really doing good. You're making <laughs> progress. Okay. How many visitors do we have? Did we recognize the visitors already? We did. Can we do it again for me yeah. since I wasn't here? Yeah. May I see the hands of all the visitors? Over here. I know. They always do it real slowly, but we're going to wait on you, and we're all going to point at you. No. <laughs> Can we see the hands of all the visitors again? One, two, three, four, five. Anybody else? Okay. Now, I know we probably, did we do it good? Yes, we did. As good as it could have been done? Well, probably not as good as you want. <laughs> Let's show the visitors we don't want them to leave and go anywhere else. Now, for all of you visitors, if you're part of another church, stay right where you are. But if you're not part of another church, stay right where you are. We would love to have you here. Great children's services, great nursery, great. Everything is really awesome, isn't it? Can I, can I fix something? I'm, I haven't done uh, baby well, dedication answer, in a while. I haven't given you the answer I, I, to the I know. I yet. assume it's okay. This is um, normally the way it goes. <laughs> I forgot to give you this, Pat, in April, and it's uh, Prayers That Avail Much. 
for you guys to uh, speak over your children. And uh, we're thankful for all the godly parents we have in this church. But how many of you know we can use all the materials we can get to help us raise children? And uh, prayer is the best. Prayer is the best answer to any situation. You can help us grow the church, bring somebody to church, or have a baby, whichever one you would prefer. Oh, and Pastor Kelly said that everybody who's been working over in the in the student ministry in Blaze, we are having babies over there. So anybody who'd like one, you need to get to work over there because it's a multiplication factor, right? David had a baby. We've had babies over there. So she wanted me to announce that. Sounds like the place to be. <laughs> For all of you visitors, I've been sharing out of this book. It's a, a pa- it, I think he was a pastor who commissioned uh, the, the people to, to have the young children, ages four through, I think, about eight, write a little note to the pastor, things that they wanted to express or whatever. And, and these are really cute. I like them. Dear Pastor, what does God do for fun? Uh, this is Susie, age seven. Okay, now they get better. So, okay, and, and turn to your neighbor and tell them it's good to laugh. It's good to laugh. Dear Pastor, I like the, I like the choir in church very much, except for the songs they sing. <laughs> Andrew, Andrew was AJ, and I love it. Dear Pastor, if God rested on the seventh day, why do we have to go to Sunday school? <laughs> Jerry, AJ, these are really cute. Dear Pastor, my sister and I, I, I may have shared this one before, I don't remember, but it's cute. Dear Pastor, my sister and I are selling cookies to make money for the church. So far, we have sold three cookies. <laughs> Sincerely, Iris, age 11. P.S. My grandma bought two of them. <laughs> <laughs> that, that always makes me think about you, honey. Yeah. And then where's this one? I was, oh, yeah, this, we'll, end, we'll end with this one. This, I always think of two of my grandchildren. <laughs> Dear Pastor, I would like to go to heaven someday because I know my brother won't be there. <laughs> Steve, Stephen, age eight. <laughs> I always like that one. If you have your Bibles, turn to Second Corinthians chapter ten. That's where we're going to be reading today. And I don't know what you think, honey. Did you get anything out of that message? I did get you something did, what, out of that. What did you message? get out of the message? Well, that you got to be careful that your filter. How many of you know there are filters that God puts in us? Uh, the way you know is. Uh, by the fact that there's this voice that says, don't say that, and then you go ahead and say it, and then you reap the repercussions of that, that, what you said. I love children because they have no filter. How many of you have noticed that? You're talking at home about things you think they're not listening, and then you get them out in public, and they say what you said, and you just want to faint or crawl under the rug, and they generally say it. Uh, things that maybe you would like to say that you haven't said, but they just said it for you. Now you've got to figure out. Because they have no filter to really know not to say something. If they've heard it, they say it. And I believe God wants us to live uh, with, you know, not a clogged filter, but the Word of God guiding us so that our filter, you know, when things are processed through it, we give clean information. Everybody say clean. <laughs> Did this any, make any sense to you when I did it in the first service? Oh, yeah, because I live at your house. I, you, you live at my house. <laughs> <laughs> and thank God we still have a house. A, a few days ago, uh, uh, probably a couple of weeks ago, I, I, I had this drop in my spirit. And, uh, and, and w- 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 I didn't understand it, and, uh, it, but it was just a sentence. Is your filter clogged? And that's all I heard. 
and and I would continue to hear it, and I said, Lord, is that a message you're giving me? I, if it is, I don't understand it. I didn't want to make it happen, but if that's the message, let me know. And then God began to show me a picture of uh, not too long ago, I was uh, realized that I needed to change our a furnace in, in the, the filter in the furnace. And uh, so when I went in to change it, I thought it had been a couple of weeks, or a couple of months rather, and I knew that filters were usually good for 60, 90 days, some were in there, depending on what it says on the filter. And so when I pulled the tape and pulled the filter out, it, if it's possible for a filter to look demonic, this was a demonic looking <laughs> filter. It was the most ugly putrid, smelly, ugly. I couldn't even tell it was dirt. It just looked like demonic forces had come into our, <laughs> our filter there. And I thought, this can't be. It's only been a couple of months. And I looked up on the little, I keep the, the dates right up there, and I looked up and uh, started tabulating, and it had been seven months since I had filled change that filter. And I wish I'd kept it now because I'd like to bring it in here and show you the comparison of the two. But when I saw it, I thought, I got to get rid of this before Pam sees it <laughs> because she's really going to be on me for that one. But if we follow the instructions on the filter and with the furnace, then the furnace works properly all of the time, whether it's air conditioning or whether it's the furnace itself in, in the wintertime. And, and this one right here says that it's good for 90 days. So if we follow the instructions, our furnace is going to work well if we replace it every 60 to 90 days. And the, the message that the Lord dropped in my heart was that we have a filtering system for everything that God wants us to think and where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. But if we don't use it, then the world will come in and clog that filtering system. And that this system is based on the Word of God, and it's based on the leading of the Holy Spirit that God shows us in our prayer journal. God cares about every aspect of your life, and he wants to show us everything, including how to filter out the world. And if we're not careful, we will walk with the world in the body of Christ. God will see it. He will know it. And he'll know that he cannot promote us and put us where he wants us to go for these final days on this final surge because we're not listening. Not because he doesn't love us, but because we're not listening and we're not ready to be promoted. Well, and, and uh, Bill shared in the first service that uh, we had our new grandson, his grandson-in-law, I guess you'd call him, our granddaughter that was married a couple weeks ago. Her husband is in the military at Fort Campbell, and so they came up to see us. And, and he was sitting here, and my husband asked him, you know, when you get a order, you know, of what you're supposed to do, do they let you, uh, you know, discuss why you don't want to do it? And he said, no. He said, how long would you be a private if you did that? He said, forever. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes, you know, God in his mercy, you wouldn't put somebody out on the front line who did not know that they were supposed to do something a certain way. And they continually didn't do it that way because in that position, they could be harmed. They could be hurt. And uh, so I believe that God is training us. He's always training us, preparing us. And if we get that filter clogged up, we're not really hearing right. I mean, those little clogs cause a distorted sound, if you will, or, you know, something can't really come through the way God wants it to come through because it's going through this clogged up 
filter that it, it can't really speak clearly. Everybody say clearly. You know, the, we were still, the furnace was still running in our house, although Andy Gahabu was in our first service. He does all that kind of repair. And my husband was asking him, and he said, you can do damage to your furnace if you continue to leave that kind of filter and uh, in, in your furnace. And so I believe that we can do damage to who we are if we continue to let that clog be in that filter or whatever's holding up, you know, that, that, that airflow, so to speak, in our lives of the breath of the Holy Spirit or the wind of God. We're, we're clogged up and we can't get it. We can't receive it. Now, we're, go- we're going to talk in 2 Corinthians 10 through through 5, <clears throat> based on the Word of God, about how the enemy is constantly trying to get you to open your thought life and open your mind to dialogue with him instead of meditating what God has spoken to you. And, and the bottom line to this whole message is this. Until you master and walk in the victory that God has given you over anxiety and worry, then you will always succumb to the things that the enemy wants you to succumb to. You become anxious and you become worried. Now, it's one thing to say, well, yeah, I have been anxious and worried in the past. It's another thing to realize that you may have a stronghold in that area of your life. Can I see the hands of all the people who know somebody who sometimes is anxious and worried? Can I see the hands of all the people that somebody you know you know really well? Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Now, the Word of God in our instruction manual and the supplement that goes with it, which is what we are to meditate day and night, what God said in His Word, what God is saying to us personally. What God is saying to me personally, He's not necessarily saying to you personally. He may be saying some of the same things, but this is the supplement that God gives you to be walking by the Spirit day and night. And if you're not careful, you'll become anxious and you'll become worried. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. If you think right thoughts, you will be right. If you think wrong thoughts, you will be wrong. If you think anxious thoughts, you will be an anxious person. If you think worried thoughts, you'll become a worried person. And we're going to talk about anxiety and what it really means and how dangerous it really is. But we have to understand that if we don't filter things through what God has shown us, then we very easily will get on the wrong road. And once you get on the wrong road, it'll take you away and distract you from the things that God wants to do for you and in you. You know, that word strongholds that's in that scripture, um, where it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Um, I don't know how your thought processes work in your mind, but um, the word that came to me was fixated. Have you ever had a thought that when you go to be quiet, it comes and it just keeps going and going and going and you're trying to find the answer to it and and you can't find the answer but if you get 
busy doing something, it's not there. You don't notice it. But the minute you start to get quiet again, boom, there it comes again. And, and you get fixated on that thought. Uh, that's a stronghold. Everybody say a stronghold. And I've learned over the years when I've counseled people, I'll say, you know, uh, well, that's a stronghold. And they go, I don't have a stronghold. Because they think that word's a, like you, you have a really bad thing. You know, but but it is a really bad thing, and there's only one way to get rid of it, and that's to cast out whatever spirit that word or that sentence or that thought is riding on and stop that spirit of torment. And so I've found over the years in, in praying with people and getting them set free, they have to be willing to address whatever it is that they have in order to get free from it. It's like, well, I don't have that. Well, yes, you do. And, you know, sometimes I know way back in the beginning uh, when I, this was, I just thought of this, but the doctor said to me, you know, we're going to have to um, give you something because when your heart races, uh, it can race so fast that it won't, it won't stop. You know, it goes too fast. I said, I don't have a problem with my heart. He said, well, you need to do something because you do have a pro- Well, I could argue about that all day long. But whether I am happy and excited or nervous or accept, you know, anything bothering me, my heart will kick into gear and go so fast that I have to have something to make it not go there. Well, that's the same way spiritually. If you have a demonic stronghold, everybody say stronghold. That doesn't mean you're a demon. It means that there's a thought that rolls and rolls in your mind that the moment you try to stop and slow down or rest, everybody say rest, that thing kicks in and it begins to make you anxious. That is a stronghold. Have we defined it? Because I think sometimes people think, oh, that's not me. I don't have a stronghold. Well, this is a stronghold, something that you think about that you cannot fix, but you fixate on it trying to figure out how to fix it. Does that make sense? Or am I taking you around and around a wrong mountain? That's how I understand stronghold. And I know that as we're talking about this today, you may say, oh yeah, I get a little anxious, but think about what is that thing in your life that you get fixated on that you really can't fix, but you fixate on when you're supposed to be resting. That's a good word, honey. You know, I believe that every single one of us, uh, this is my personal opinion, I believe every single one of us are creatures of habit. Whatever your habit is, that is your habit. And you always respond the same way. And I also believe that every single one of us have had strongholds. Whether we have the victory over it or not is another thing. But the stronghold that you have had in your life in the past is always there trying to dialogue with you to get you to come back to it. Can I see the hands of all the people you say I'm talking about you right now? It's trying to pull you back in there. No different than the Garden of Eden. When, when the devil came and said to Eve, did God really say, he started questioning her away from the path she should have been on and on a path that the devil wanted to get her on. And so what happens then is we start to look at things from a standpoint of, well, yeah, I don't really know. Do things really look bad? Yeah, maybe they do. That what happens then is you're starting to change your mind. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says to one of the most important scriptures in the entire Bible, present your body a living sacrifice, pure, holy, accept, acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know the good, acceptable, perfect 
will of God. And once you know that, then your mind is established, but you don't have to go to reason. You don't have to go to anything that will cause you anxiety or cause you worry. And in the book of Luke, honey, uh, Luke 12, uh, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus talked a lot about worry and anxiety with Mary and Martha. He said, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. Mary has chosen the good thing. And that, that this, when I looked up anxiety, anxiety means to worry about what might happen. How many of you have somebody in your family somewhere that they're going to find something to worry about even if everything seems to go right. They're going to find something somewhere. And some people, they've done it so long, they don't realize, yeah, it is a habit, but worse than that, it is a stronghold. And it affects your life every day and my life. Uh, you know, Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinketh, so is he. And once we get on that pattern of worry and thinking about things all the time, it says in Proverbs twelve twenty five that anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. How many people do you know today that are having to take anxiety medicine, medicine for depression? The, the threatening of the enemy is always there. And I was thinking about this message this morning, and, and I thought, why is it so easy for us to think about the negative thoughts instead of the positive thoughts? Why is it so difficult for us to not just automatically think the positive, but we always seem to go to the... How many of you notice that? That's the, those are the thoughts that seem to be the most prevalent, and they pop up the biggest. And, and, and instantly I heard, because of the fallen nature of man, because of what happened in the Garden of Eden, that negative kind of connotation is in the world. Everybody say in the world. But it says we, we don't have our weapons of warfare are not like the world. Our weapons of warfare are, warfare are spiritual. So we can pull down. Everybody say pull down. And we can go to the positive, knowing the truth of the word of God, begin to share it instead of the negative, which is what all those thoughts are. But how easy is it to just get stuck on the negative, but why don't we get stuck on the positive? Because we live in a fallen world. And so we're continually having to renew our mind and fight against that pull that would try to take us to the negative. And the last verse of uh, 10, Second uh, Corinthians 10, we read three through five, but the last says, and being, take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience. In other words, things that don't agree with the word of God when your obedience is fulfilled. What obedience? When you start casting down those strongholds, when you stop letting the enemy cause that negativity to be everything that you think. And I, when I listen to myself talk sometimes, when I listen to other people talk, it seems like instead of saying God is on the throne and this is a great day, we seem to want to say something negative. Like, yeah, it's raining again. Yeah. Well, the sun's shining somewhere. Hallelujah. Uh, you know, and, and, I, and that, really, uh, that really stuck in me this morning when I thought of that. I thought, why is it so easy to be negative? Why are we not positive easily? It's because we have to fight for it. We do have to pull down those strongholds. And when our obedience, when we do what God tells us to do, then the enemy that, that disobedience of the, you know, trying to do things that maybe we cannot do is stopped immediately because we've done what God told us to do. You know, as you were talking about that, I was, I was going to go to Matthew chapter 625 here, but I was just thinking about uh, Alice. Remember Alice? Mm -hmm. uh, I, I've shared before with this church. How many of you have heard me share about Alice? How many of you have never heard me share about Alice? 
Oh, my goodness. See, we got a whole new group here. Yeah. I, I, I'll do this real fast. Alice, Alice came. This was years and years ago. Alice came to this church. Alice was the most negative stronghold person I've ever met in my life. I would see her coming down the hallway, and this is the truth. I would see her coming down the hallway, and I'd want to go the other way. I would just want to get away from Alice. She was so negative. And finally, one day, I said, Alice, I don't ever want to hear from you again until you have something positive to say. I don't ever want to hear anything negative. And she looked at me. She was very compliant. And she said, well, okay. And I said, okay, we understand that. And unless you have something positive to say, because I knew she had to be changed, have her mind changed, and that stronghold changed. She said, oh, okay. And she, would, she didn't talk that way, but she didn't know how to talk because she didn't know how to say something positive because negative came so quick to her. And so the next time I saw her, I said, Alice, how are you? And she said, I I'm doing good. I said, that's great. And over a process of time, how many of you knew Alice? It's been years since she's been here. Alice, Alice changed. And Alice absolutely got delivered from a stronghold. And when we'd see Alice coming, she'd always have something good to say. She was great to see. And one day she came in after this has been after six months, a year, whatever, of really working with her. And Alice came in one day and she said, oh, Pastor Bill, I have something to tell you and Pam. I said, what's that? She said, I found another church. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Positive after for about, her. After about a year with Alice, she yeah. found another church, and I said, Alice, what happened? Yeah. And she said, well, I found one closer to my home. It's a real small church right by my home, and uh, I, I went in there, and I just really liked the small fellowship and all, and we said, thank you, God, for that, thought, Lord, after all that time with Alice. But you know what? The last we heard of Alice, she did great. She had been a pharmacist. And she had fallen on hard times, and she'd really went through a lot of problems in her life. And there were some reasons, but she'd opened herself up to strongholds. She got set free, turned around, and ended up right back in her profession again, and then eventually retired from out at the soldier's home in the pharmaceutical department out there. You know, when you, yeah, when you meditate things like that, um, you know, your mind gets on that track. And it's very hard to get it to stop being on that track. And um, I shared in the first service, I, I have a, uh, a family member that they say that they have sensory issues. And I learned this a long time ago with my grandchildren. Now, as a parent, man, I was going to make my kids do. How many of you have ever been there where the strong will comes out? You're going to do. And they were very little. And, and, and I didn't realize it at the time, but their reasoning ability was this big. I mean, they, they couldn't understand. So reasoning with a two-year-old doesn't always work. And I know you can put them in timeout and all those things. But when somebody's mind, everybody say mind, is tormented, and it's on that cycle, I don't care what you do to them. You cannot break that cycle because it is a stronghold. It's, 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 it's a physical stronghold, but it's there. And, and the Lord showed me, just divert it. Just switch the subject. Turn them another direction. And you know what? The mind stops. That's, that's the mind stops thinking on that cycle. That's exactly the truth of what the devil wants. When we're circling on that kind of a thought process of negative, sometimes the only way to stop it is to put on worship music and begin to worship. Why? Because you've switched the track of your mind and it goes over there. And then in that presence of God, you can get set free. I've seen it happen. But when people sit and argue, everybody say argue with the devil. It says here, casting down arguments. Some people just have to reason and win. I'm telling you, the devil loves to do that. He loves to do that. And, he, and you will never win. He'll win every time. 
Because you cannot defeat spiritual problems with natural thinking. And once you get on that cycle, uh, I found uh, this with a woman that was just almost and made herself put into probably uh, a place, you know, a hospital. I said to her, stop arguing even with the word and change your mind on the things that have to do with praising God and the word of God. And as she began to do that, mm-hmm. she, that thing left, that thing left. I tell you, the devil will not hang around a praising Christian. Yeah. You want to know how to get rid of him yeah. and those thoughts start singing. Yep. I love you, Jesus. Oh, he hates the name and he hates worship for him because that's what he wanted to be with the guy with all the worship. I'm just sharing that with you today because arguing does not always solve things. It's a natural way, but it's not a supernatural way. Yeah, that's a good word, honey. When that filter gets clogged, that anxiety and, and, that, and that worry gets in there and the word of God and the very things that keep you free gets clogged from coming down in there. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, 25, therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you eat or drink, nor about your body, what you put on, or your clothing. And the worry, the word marimno means the words suggest a distraction, a preoccupation with things causing anxiety, stress, and pressure. I hate anxiety and I hate worry. I don't hate the person that it's in, but I know that when you're anxious and you're worrying, you are going to be distracted from what God has for you. And it's going to torment you eventually, and it's going to affect your health. And there, therefore, when Jesus said all these things, I'm going to give you these scriptures, Luke 12, 29, Matthew 6, 25, you can write them down. Then in the book of Philippians says, be anxious, your dad's favorite scripture. He loved Philippians chapter four, be anxious for nothing with absolutely nothing. So let's all say, I should never be anxious. I should never be anxious. Turn to your neighbor and say, that'd be a miracle. But that's okay. God's in the miracle working business. You should never be anxious for anything because anxiety, it says right here what we read just a little bit earlier, anxiety is to worry about something that might happen. Well, I might die. Well, I might not have enough money. Well, people might not like me. Get over it. There's always somebody who may not like you. <laughs> somebody who really won't like you. That happens. Somebody what? Somebody who really won't like you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that can happen. It's hard for me to imagine, but I it know, could happen. I know. I didn't no, say you. I'm sorry. You, you, you know, that's man-pleasing spirit. Then you've got to be careful of that. But God wants you free. Everybody say, God wants me free. God wants me free. And once you're free, then you're ready to go on. When you're talking about changing the subject with little kids and stuff like that, and kind of that works at any age when people are having... A bat. What are you doing? I'm laughing at you. I'm just adding. I know what you're going to do. Oh, yes, you do. There's a book <laughs> that I want to recommend to all of you. Y'all want to live with him for a week? He can fix any problem you've got, I'm telling you. And it's called, <laughs> <laughs> there's a book I really highly recommend. It's by Don Colbert. And it's an old book. It's been around for a while. I try to read it once a year. It's called Stress Less. The more you are going to go forward with God, the more stress you will encounter. Stress is not a bad thing. What you do about stress is what determines. And if you allow anxiety and worry to get on you, you can only go so far and you will stop, you will withdraw. And for many people, they put up a facade, they don't even realize it, of criticism. They criticize everything and everybody because they don't want to move on with what God has for them. 
And until we deal with that, Don Colbert in the book, he talks a lot about anxiety and stress and how that if you don't get rid of it, not only will it affect where you go with the Lord, it'll affect your health. Your health. It will affect every part of your body. Our body was made to rest. And a lot of people can't sleep well at night. And what happens is they start taking on additional stress and then they get anxious because they're trying to figure everything out. Can I see the hands of all the figure outers? You came to the right service because where God's going to take you, you can't figure it out. Mary could not figure out the immaculate conception. Can you imagine trying to figure that one out? Glory to God. And, but, but what happened is you have to get to the point when you realize that with this filtering system, when you get clogged up there, you will become anxious and you will become worried. And, and, and right now, the body's made to sleep at, at, well at night, to lay down and to sleep eight hours. Some people say it's age-generated. I've read some of the books that say that as you get to be a certain age, you should sleep at nine hours uh, I must have gotten to that age because I can sleep nine hours without an alarm clock. <laughs> he can, he can. But you know that this is uh, something that my mother told me. Now she went to the the orthopedic person, but in the in the office she was reading a magazine and it was on the mind, and it said when people sleep, that there's there's like uh, something that washes over the yeah. mind, and it it kind of cleanses it, just kind of settles everything down. Uh, kind of like, you know, when your computer uh, gets on overload and you've got too many windows open, they say, or too many channels open. You know, sometimes I can get a lot of channels open. Maybe you're not like that, but how many of you get things going in every direction? And But when you sleep, those those things all close up and there's peace that comes onto the mind. But it's it's a process that the body's made to do. And, and she read about it and uh, we were talking about it because as my dad's been gone and she's 91 and, you know, she sometimes would wake up and, and things would bother her. And so, you know, we both felt like, I felt like that was an answer for yeah. me when in helping people and even with my own life that when we're not resting, everybody say resting, well then we're struggling with those thoughts and those emotions and things, then the mind doesn't do that cleaning. And the scripture I was reminded of where it says in Ephesians 5, where Jesus said uh, that he washes the church with with the water of his word. Everybody say washes. And how he washes over us with the truth of the word. And it brings a peace to us. It says there that he washes us with the word so he can present it present us as a church without spot or wrinkle, you know? And so I believe that, that all of that stuff that goes in our minds, it doesn't always come out in the daytime, but how many of you know it can come out at night or whenever, let's just say, whenever you rest, you begin to, those things start coming. And, and so that, that really is that stronghold that we have to get rid of in our mind because it will continue to clog us up. How many of you have ever gone more than one or two days and didn't sleep well? How many of you know you're a walking clogged up person? I mean, your brain isn't even functioning. Uh, I'm sure April's experienced some of that having a baby. How many, you know, ladies remember how you, you, you wonder where, where the days went because your days and nights taking care of a baby. Well, you know, when your mind doesn't get that sweeping over, then just naturally, there's going to be a problem. Think of it spiritually when you're not washed with the word or the things of God that aren't washing over us to help our minds stay calm. Now, just like that filter has instructions 
to it how to use it. You have instructions. They're right here. It's the Word of God written and the current manna of the Holy Spirit, as I said earlier, right here. Now, the average person, you've heard this before, I'm sure, but the average person thinks, if they're not thinking for themselves, then they will think 20 to 30,000 thoughts a day. Those thoughts can easily take you down the wrong path and give you anxiety and worry and stress. But if you will think for yourself, like God told Joshua, Joshua 1, 8, and 9, meditate the Word of God day and night, you will make your way successful. You start to meditate and speak forth things yourself. And instead of letting your mind think whatever it thinks, now I know this might sound like it's mind over matter, and it's not, but your mind does matter. But instead of letting your mind think for itself, you tell your mind what you want it to think. Does that make sense to all of you? If that makes sense to you, just wave your hand. Because if you let your, your mind think for itself, it'll get you in trouble. It'll burden you with anxiety. It'll burden you with stress and all of those things. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, because I want to make sure we pray for everybody today, it says that God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So everybody say, I have a sound mind. I have a sound mind. But you can mess up a mind that has been created in the image of Almighty God, you can mess up the instruction, you can mess up what was given to you by not following the instructions just like you can with a furnace or a piece of equipment. And this is what my Bible says in the word wealth for a sound mind. The word denotes good judgment, disciplined thought patterns, and the ability to understand and make right decisions. It includes the qualities of self-control and self-discipline. Discipline thought patterns are thought patterns that we instigate ourselves. Yeah. And, and, when, when and I'm not saying I have the key, but it works for me. That rhymes. I'm not saying that I have the key, but it works for me. Ooh, I like that. We could sing that. It's a little ditty. But, but when I go to bed at night, I take the Bible, I take a motivational book, whatever motivates me, and I take my prayer journal. And these are the things, these three things that turn me on when I lay down. They give me rest. They give me faith. They give me hope. Does that make sense? In other words, the, the technology does not. Technology is neither good nor bad, but research out sometimes where all this technology comes from and how Christ-centered these people are that are bringing forth all of this technology and be discerning. But if we get to the point when we determine, I am responsible for my thought patterns. I am responsible for my mind. I am responsible. God gave me the ability and created me perfectly and wonderfully made, and therefore I should never worry and I should never be anxious. It's a whole new dimension. And then we get to the point, which is hard for many people, honey, I am not going to figure out what God wants me to do. If it's his idea, he's already figured it out. I just want to uh, close with this story because I believe it's a good example of uh, casting down those thoughts and strongholds. Uh, we're all going to face them, but uh, years ago, um, Pastor Bill and I, we lived in Tulsa, and we, we didn't have a lot of money. Pastor Bill was in Bible school, and, and, uh, and, and so uh, this one morning, I got up, and uh, have you ever had a drain that's plugged? You know, we can, we can have a drain that's not working well or a faucet not working well. We don't really do anything about it. And then suddenly it's clogged totally, and then we have to do something. And so um, I accidentally dropped my toothbrush down the toilet. 
And because we didn't have money for plumbing or anything like that, plumber, I just thought, well, I'll just not tell him. And we'll see. And so nothing happened for, for quite a while. I mean, it was a couple of weeks, three weeks. Then all of a sudden, one day, flushed the toilet, water went everywhere. He comes in there now. He was already at this stress level, you know, with all of us, no money, going to Bible school, one car, all that stuff. So he's, he comes in. What'd you do? I don't know. I just flushed the toilet. And <laughs> How many of you have ever done that? I don't know. It just happened. And then I thought I better tell him. So I said, well, I accidentally dropped my toothbrush down the toilet. I mean, you should have seen his face. It's in there. I go, yeah, that, but that's been two or three weeks ago. <laughs> and he said... Well, that's the problem. So he takes the whole toilet apart. Now, he is not a plumber. He's not a furnace man. He, that, he has other gifts, and those aren't his gifts. We call somebody. My but, gifts are hidden. That's right. It's a hidden talent. We're looking for it. But uh, it didn't show up in this instance. And so he took the toilet apart. I mean, like night after night, we, he would take it off and try to dig down in there. And, and then he put the toilet back on, and then he'd do all right a little bit, and then it'd run over again. And, and so one day we went to church, and we came home, and it was on a Wednesday night. The, we walked in and we had to step down into the living room and then we stepped down the carpet was full of water and it had run all that time we'd been gone all the way down the hall into the living room and it's like night we got all these kids you know and um, our 10 bags or our, our bag of 10 hamburgers you know nothing made him happy at this point when he saw that water so he started to say something so I went in the bathroom now my, my weapon that I love is a plunger but you gotta have a good one because when you go like this, you, you know, and you pop it up and it goes, that means it's gone. Whatever was in there is gone. The water goes down. So I grabbed that plunger. I was, I thought it's near, it's near the toilet. One of us is going to get thrown out tonight. <laughs> so I chose that it wouldn't be me, but I grabbed that plunger and he can testify. I mean, I put it in there and I go in the name of Jesus, get out of my toilet. You devil, get out of my toilet, get out, get out. And it went, and it never did it again. I believe in casting down strongholds. The enemy is a liar. He is a thief. It was a clog in that. I mean, I don't know whether it, I don't know what God did to move that, that toothbrush, but it was no longer there. I believe that faith works. And I know that it seems like a crazy illustration, but nobody's going to tell me that God did not deliver me from Pastor Bill's whatever. <laughs> Listen, you made a believer out of me. I, <laughs> he came in there and looked at me. Two things, two things that have worked from this, that day forward. Number one, the power of prayer and chasing the devil out. And number two, don't drop your toothpaste <laughs> brush in the toilet and it doesn't back up. Let's all stand. <laughs> was, I remember those days. All I can tell you was that night when we came home, I felt like crying. It's like, I give up, God. And then my wife rode in on a white horse. <laughs> so any of you that have any exceedingly and abundantly plumbing needs, just call the church. <laughs> Ask for Pastor Pam. Yeah. Some of you are here tonight, uh, this, this afternoon, this morning. You know that that anxiety, that worry, that ability not to rest and sleep is really affecting your life. And I believe today we're going to take care of that. But before we do, I want us to pray and answer the most important question 
that we will ever answer. Would you bow your heads with me just for a moment? All over this church, I want to ask you this question. Do you know if you died today where you would spend eternity? And if you're here and you've never asked Jesus to come into your heart, this would be a great time to accept him. Maybe you're here and you're like the prodigal son. You, maybe you've walked with the Lord at one time or another, but you know that you have walked away from the things of God. Let this be the day that you come home. And all over this church, if you would say, Pastor, pray for me because you've described me. I know my life is not right with God. I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand in the air. We're going to pray for you. Yes, I see your hand all the way back there. Yes, yes, I see yours. Yes, yes, I see your hand over here. Are there others you say, pray for me? It's just between you and God. Yes, I see your hand over here. See, God loves you. God has a wonderful plan for your life. And some of the biggest tragedies and some of the most brokenhearted moments you've ever faced, God will heal your heart and he'll turn it around. All of you that lifted your hand, would you quickly come to the altar, please? Let's give them a hand as they come. This is what it's all about. People coming to Jesus, returning to Jesus. Yeah, we can do better than that. Angels in heaven are rejoicing. We are so glad that all of you are with us. This is a day of new beginnings a day of new beginnings. And every single one of you, I know, need prayer for what we're talking about. Prayer to get rid of that anxiety and get rid of all of that. Sweetheart, why don't you call down everybody that needs to be down here at this altar too, and we're going to pray together. If that's you and you need healing in your mind, I believe that's what it is when you get that stronghold or you're here tonight or this afternoon and you know that your sleep is disturbed because of things that you're thinking. This is, you know, if you have what they call insomnia, you know, we're going to pray today and believe God for a miracle healing in your mind today. In Jesus' name, that that's going to stop. You have trouble sleeping. You wake up in the night and then you can't go back to sleep because your mind is wrestling. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And if you know that that anxiety, that stress, that pressure is on you, you come down here because the anointing of God is here to pull that off of you today in Jesus' name. I want all of us to pray this prayer, especially those of you that answered that first call to receive Jesus. But all of us are going to pray with you. Let's pray this today. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe you died for my sins. I've sinned. I've made mistakes. But today, I acknowledge you as my Lord and Savior. I ask you to come into my heart, take control of my life. The true desire of my heart is to serve you and to be all that you've called me to be. In the past, my life has been broken. My heart's been broken. But today, I believe that you will heal that heart, that you'll give me purpose, 
to fulfill your will. In Jesus' name we pray. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.